This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Folks, it is time to have a national discussion and dialogue. There may be some of these mass murder situations that we see occur across the United States are being aided by the medical community and our K-12 public school systems and our misdiagnosis of some of the childhood disorders that we see, behavior disorders. We're going to talk about that later in the program. Welcome to the show. Here's where I want to start today, some presidential politics. This is just my guess, and it's no more valid than yours or anybody else's, but I think this thing, in terms of the GOP race, is coming around to the final turn. And I don't mean in terms of November, but I'm talking about in terms of the primary season, which starts in less than a month in Iowa, when finally the first votes are going to be cast. But I think coming around the final turn, you know, I like to use sports analogies in a horse race. That there are really only three horses that have a chance here. Coming into the final turn, Donald Trump continues to lead the pack. It's a matter of whether he can hang on in the final stretch. Ted Cruz has made a move. He's going to challenge for that finish line. I think Marco Rubio is in position, but he's not showing much kick coming down the stretch. And I think the rest of the field is lagging. I think Ben Carson is drifting back. I think Carly Fiorina has fallen off the pace. I still like some of those candidates, but I'm being brutally honest here. I don't think those two have a chance. I think this is a three-horse race right now. And who knows who's going to come across the finish line. Depends upon who has that final kick, that final drive. As we move through Iowa, then into New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada, and then into Super Tuesday. I still have my powder dry. I would suggest if you are not on a horse, keep your binoculars out and just keep watching. If you are on a horse, you are on one of the other horses, it's time to consider a dismount. Maybe to get on another horse, we're coming down the final stretch here. But that's your choice. But I want to get into Mrs. Bill Clinton and the week that she had, or the last couple of weeks that she has had, that I think have been disastrous for her campaign. You know why I call her Mrs. Bill Clinton, right? I think I've explained that 
because she has ridden Bill's coattails her entire life. She's not a self-made woman. Bill is a self-made man. And she rode his coattails all the way to where she is today. Without Bill Clinton, her husband, in politics, she's nothing. She's nobody. She wouldn't have been the first lady of Arkansas. She wouldn't have been the first lady of the United States. She would not have been a senator from the state of New York except for Bill Clinton. He made her. If not for her husband, she's probably some two-bit lawyer in some law firm somewhere. Maybe she's a assistant U.S. attorney at best. I said assistant, not even a U.S. attorney. And that's why she defended this man during these rape allegations. Because she knew, without Bill, I'm nothing. If Bill is ousted from the White House, I'm nothing. So she put her political ambitions before the accusations and the pleas of the women who said they were raped by Bill Clinton. Now this woman wants to try to present herself as some stalwart for women, for women's causes, for rape victims. She said rape victims need to be believed. We have to have sympathy for them, and I agree. But when it came to some of Bill's accusations of rape, she trashed the reputation of those women. She enabled Bill Clinton to continue his sex offending. Bill Clinton is a sexual predator. And she defended that. And now Mrs. Bill Clinton has received the endorsement of Planned Parenthood Federation. Not only has she received the endorsement of, she's proudly proclaiming the endorsement of Planned Parenthood, the promoter of genocide. Planned Parenthood does not plan people for parenthood. They kill babies. Planned Parenthood kills more black babies than any other race. Planned Parenthood was founded by Margaret Sanger, a eugenist who promoted and supported black genocide. She saw black people and said this. Read the Negro Project. I've talked about it on this program. She saw black people as inferior and a race that needs to be exterminated. And she tried to do it through abortion. Nobody else in the United States of America could get away with that kind of endorsement except somebody on the left. People, going back to Bill, people want to say, well, the media, when I say people, they want to say, well, you know, is it, is it fair game for people to talk about Bill's sexual predator proclivities? Damn right it is. We shouldn't even be asking the question. The media shouldn't even be asking the question. You know why it's fair game? Because I said so. You know why it's fair game? Because you say so. I'm tired of the left getting to dictate the rules of engagement in political discourse. They choose the language. 
they call Planned Parenthood women's reproductive health. They do not get to decide what we can and can't talk about in our political discourse. I'm not going to allow it. That's why it's fair game. And like I said, look what she's done to continue to enable his behavior. She was an enabler. So Planned Parenthood, she stands up, I am proud to accept the endorsement of Planned Parenthood Federation. They have been on the forefront of women's reproductive health rights and care. No, they haven't. They've been killing babies. Remember Mike Scalise back a couple years ago when it was learned when the Republicans took over control of the House? And I think Scalise was made the whip. And the left exposed the fact that over a decade ago he had some relationship or, or talked at some event sponsored by the KKK. Scalise was wrong for doing that. Scalise apologized. You know, citing something here from Breitbart on that article, it says, more than a decade ago, Representative Scalise made an error in judgment and he was right to acknowledge it was wrong and appropriate and inappropriate. Congressman Scalise acknowledged he made a mistake and has condemned the views that organization espouses. Why hasn't Mrs. Bill Clinton been forced to shun that support of Planned Parenthood and condemn the racist, bigoted mission that Planned Parenthood espouses. Only people on the right. I think it was 2014 to 2012, more black babies were aborted in New York City than were born. Think about that. I've had it. With the left thinking that they get to prescribe the rules of engagement in political warfare, they do not. You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on wash and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Some final thoughts on the endorsement of Mrs. Bill Clinton by Planned Parenthood Federation that I have renamed Planned Genocide Federation. You know, 80% of their revenue comes from abortion. How is that reproductive health rights? 
reproductive health care. They're terminating the baby's life. How is that reproductive? Well, you know, we're our own worst enemies sometimes because we let them get away with it. They promote violence. Children's violence. Violence against children. We have to stop using their language. And I can't believe that not one GOP candidate, especially Carly, who's been on the defending the rights of the uh, unborn and really hammering away at Planned Parenthood, not one GOP candidate blasted Mrs. Bill Clinton for that endorsement. You know, just in the political sparring that goes on, you know how this works, right? You know, you say, I want an apology, or they need to condemn, or they, they shouldn't accept that. You, you, know, you know that game that's played. Now, one GOP candidate said, shame on Mrs. Bill Clinton for accepting the endorsement of an organization that supports and promotes black genocide. And then bring up the Negro Project and talk a little bit about it. Just shame those people. It's not going to help with their voters on the left. But my gosh, doesn't a GOP owe the right to life movement something? Throw them a bone? I know the GOP, deep down inside, they go, that's, that's an uncomfortable issue for us. We don't really like going there. That's why we, we lost the culture war in the last several years. This crap about, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm liberal on social issues, but I'm a fiscal conservative. There's no such thing. It's tax money that supports Planned Parenthood. So if you're a fiscal conservative... How can you be for supporting Planned Parenthood? They had a chance to defund it, the GOP, and then they came up with this lame uh, bill they sent up to the, 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 the president's desk. And they all said, and we all knew, well, yeah, this is going to be uh, vetoed. And they didn't have enough votes to override. They sent up a bill defunding Planned Parenthood and defunding sanctuary cities. Why didn't they hook that on to that $1.2 trillion albatross that they hung around the necks of the taxpayers to continue their government, government spending, and dared Bill Clinton to veto it. Here, we'll give you, you know, they funded all his priorities. They gave him everything they, they wanted. What? Where's the consensus? Okay, Mr. President, we're going to fund all your crap. But here, you're going to sign this bill that has this in it and dare him to veto it. He probably would have, and he would have started with that, that old tired the Republicans are shutting down and all that nonsense. No, they gave Barack Obama everything he wanted. We have very little in return, conservatives. Yeah, a couple tax breaks, you know. It, it didn't amount to anything. So then they come up, and this was all theater, and they passed this bill. I'm sorry, it defunds Obamacare and Planned Parenthood. I said sanctuary cities. And of course, the president immediately vetoed it. And the Republican leadership was running around saying, 
This is the first time we've ever gotten a bill to the president's desk defunding Obamacare. Why didn't you hook that on to that $1.2 trillion craptacular spending package, that omnibus bill? Because they have no guts. That's why. So in that political theater of sending that bill up, and he, he vetoed it, and they don't have the votes to override. You think I'm going to give them credit for that? I hope if you're a listener of this program that you aren't that naive. I hope that you aren't that stupid. That you're running around doing a victory lap. Finally, we got a, a bill to the president's desk to defund Obamacare. Should have hooked it onto that omnibus package. That would have shown me something. So not one presidential candidate blasted Mrs. Bill Clinton for that endorsement of Planned Parenthood. I don't get this sometimes. And then Mrs. Bill Clinton is on the campaign trail blasting the police. That's nothing new. She refers to the police use of force as police violence. That's what she called it. And she invokes the name of Tamir Rice, Mike Brown, Eric Garner, Freddie Gray, who are all involved in criminal behavior when they met their demise. Trying to stoke up and prove her bona fides with the black voter because she has a black voter deficiency problem. She's not going to get black to the polls, blacks to the polls like her husband could. And you know she's not going to get blacks to the poll like Barack Obama. She doesn't need to get as many as Barack Obama, but she's got to get about as many as Bill Clinton did. She might not get as many as John Kerry did. She knows that. She's still going to get 90, 95% of the black vote, but the, the, the voting totals will be down. She can't afford that. So she's groveling. She's on her knees right now, paying homage to the Congressional Black Caucus, who will be running this, this lame Democrat debate, they call it, this weekend. All three of them will be groveling at the foot of Congressional Black Caucus trying to out-black each other. I'm blacker than you. Well, I'm blacker than you. I did this. This is pathetic. It's not police violence. It's police use of force. Now, there may be some question in the end. Is it justified or unjustified? Is it reasonable or not reasonable? Those are all legitimate questions. It is not police violence. Again, they're dictating the language. And someone needs to correct her. Um, Mrs. Bill Clinton, are you referring to police use of force? She said in this interview with Fusion TV this past week, she said the police are terrorizing neighborhoods. She said that. There was a headline in the Chicago Tribune just the other day. In the first 10 days of 2016, 100 people have been shot already in the city of Chicago. They haven't been shot by the police. 
And she says the police are terrorizing neighborhoods? No, the black criminal is terrorizing neighborhoods. The black criminal is killing young black males. Involved in domestic violence, street robberies. I mean, it's pathetic what this woman will do to get elected. It really is. It's not surprising, but I said it's pathetic. And and you know what? People better know right now if they don't. You attack the police. I'm coming at you with the ferociousness of a junkyard dog. My job to do that as an elected official. They need to support the police. I'll take care of police discipline. I've proven that. I think people trust me with it. Will not allow them to use the police for political gamesmanship. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. I don't think Ted Cruz was trying to be mean about New York. I think he was making a broader point. He was having a little fun. It didn't bother me really at all. I just thought that Donald kind of emoted in a way. He kind of got a little emotional and sort of stood behind New York in a way that, look, I know a lot of non-New Yorkers won't care, but even if you're a Donald fan, you think that guy stands by his people. And if you're a New Yorker, you're like, hmm, I kind of appreciated that. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. One last thing about Mrs. Bill Clinton trashing the American police officer. I, I just can't, I can't help myself to put my boot on her neck one last time. She met recently with victims of gun violence, or their survivors, I should say. Their survivors and their family. There's nothing wrong with that. All right, that's the... Sympathetic thing to do. Display some empathy. Gosh darn it. The survivors didn't do anything for the most part. It's not what I'm talking about here. But she's very selective in the survivors and the families that she's meeting with. Among those that she met with and she she holds this up as some sort of badge. Survivors of and she calls it victims of gun violence. And it goes on to name Eric Garner, Dontre Hamilton, Mike Brown. Those aren't victims of gun violence. Those individuals were involved in criminality, some of it felonious. And trust me, had they not died by the police use of force, at some point they were going to die at the hands of some black male anyway. Because they chose that lifestyle. Street life, thug life. But I'll tell you who she hasn't met with in terms of victims of gun violence. She didn't meet with the family and survivors of Deputy Go forth in Houston, 
Texas, who was gunned down as he filled up his police cruiser at a gas station. She didn't meet with the survivors and family of Brian Moore, Wenjin Lu, Rafael Ramos, three of NYPD's finest, who were ambushed and gunned down by black perpetrators. They're victims of gun violence. They're true victims of gun violence. They were out serving their community, helping other people. Mainly black people in some of these struggling neighborhoods. Wenjin Liu and Rafael Ramos were gunned down in their cruiser. As they just sat there. She didn't meet with the family and survivors of Officer Karen Orozco. Omaha Police Department officer, one of Omaha's finest. That's the mother who was on her last day before leaving for maternity leave for her child, her firstborn, coming home from the hospital. The the baby was born prematurely, so it, it, it never came home. She leaves the hospital. She goes back to work. The next day, she was going to start maternity leave for her newborn, and she's shot and killed in the line of duty. Mrs. Bill Clinton didn't meet with her family. There's a victim of gun violence. Do you see what I mean? And they're not even stealth about it anymore. You know, this is cherry-picked. This is hand-picked. This is using this for political purposes. And I'm not going to let them do it. I'm not going to let them do that. I'm not going to let them get away with it. I'm one of those that's going to call you out. Unlike the GOP and and, and not blasting Mrs. Bill Clinton for her endorsement of Planned Parenthood. I'm not letting anything go. And I'd like to see some more of this brass knuckles political fighting by the right, by you folks. Forget about the political class. We're probably never going to see it. But I'm going to call them out as well. Let me touch a little bit now on President Barack Obama and his continued crusade to disarm America, his crusade to obliterate the Second Amendment under the Bill of Rights in the U.S. Constitution his continued crusade of blaming law-abiding gun owners for the gun violence that goes on in the American ghetto, mainly caused by black perpetrators. The data is there. We've talked about it here. So Obama now in his last year, thank God, the last year of his presidency, pulled what amounts to nothing more than a poking you in the eye with a sharp stick. He's taunting us now, folks, with his latest executive order on gun confiscation, because that's his real objective, and that's the real objective of the left. This isn't about reducing violence. This isn't about safer streets, safer communities. This isn't about responsible gun ownership 
common sense gun control. This is about gun confiscation. And they do it by chipping away at it. And like I've said before, they wait for that watershed moment. They just chip away. A little tightening here, a new restriction there. Raise the price on ammo here. Do a little bit there. And then there's a watershed moment. And they feel that it's time to now crash through the door. They're feeling it right now. And they know they got to get this done before Barack Obama leaves office. So he's come up with some crazy idea of strengthening background checks. It has nothing to do with any of this violence or mass shootings that we're talking about. He knows that and you know that. And the media knows it. The propaganda machine for the left. They know it too. They're not even stealth about this anymore. So he puts restrictions on who? Law-abiding gun owners. Law-abiding American citizens who now have to jump through more hoops to exercise their Second Amendment right. Barack Obama doesn't care about victims of gun violence. He won't address it. He keeps coming back to the NRA, the National Rifle Association. For Barack Obama, this is about trying to break the backs or the back of a constituency that doesn't support his crazy idea about the Constitution, about the Second Amendment, about gun ownership. That's what this is about for him. Everything is politics with this man. They've been on this background check kick for a long time now. They just wanted a win here, some kind of win. They don't care what it is, because that's how they work. We'll just take a small win, a symbolic victory, and then when that watershed moment comes, we will crash through the door. We'll confiscate everybody's guns. If Barack Obama truly felt a need to amend the Second Amendment to the Constitution, to the Bill of Rights, if he truly believed it, if he truly felt he had the political support to do it, he should do it the right way under Article 5. Call for a convention of states or get the Congress, get the Congress involved and do it the right way. There's an amendment process to the Constitution. We've amended it a lot of times, 25, 26, 27. But he knows he has no public support for this. So he wants to do it the cheap way. He wants to cheat. He wants to lie. And he wants to steal your ability under the Constitution to defend yourself, to engage in shooting sports, to guard against governmentary, or for ever, whatever reason you want. That's what this is about for Barack Obama. The Blaze Radio Network, on demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Find more on demand at theblaze.com slash radio. Chris Salcedo. Those individuals who are being released by Team Obama are the worst of the worst, found by members of his own administration to not be worthy to be set free because they will go out and do what? They will go out and rejoin the jihad. They will kill our allies. 
and they will kill Americans abroad. And Team Obama is committed to making this happen. Chris Salcedo, Saturdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Okay, in the final segment here, we're going to talk about what I think is a scandal. I think is a sin. And I'm wondering, and I think we ought to have an honest discussion nationally, about the overdiagnosis of some of these childhood psychological disorders by the medical community and by the K 12 public schools uh, throughout the United States. There's an overdiagnosis. There's a knee-jerk reaction. It's jumping right away to pharmaceutical ways of treating some of these disorders. It's hurting people. Kids have to remain on this stuff for the rest of their lives. You know, you could choose some of these mass murders. And it seems to come up a lot. Well, why are the, you know, there's some sort of... Uh, uh, mental disorder that went back to their childhood and then they're off their meds because I said they have to stay on this stuff the rest of their lives. They're screwing these people up. And these people just finally say, I'm not taking that stuff anymore. I'm suffering. Then they go off the deep end. But in our schools, especially with young children, you know, we're at the mercy sometimes of the um, the, the, the medical community, psychologists, psychiatrists, because we don't have the vocabulary, the know-how to really question them properly about, well, why should my child go on this medication that, that, that he or she's going to have to take for the rest of their life because they won't sit still? A lot of kids won't sit still. Sometimes adults can't sit still. No need to medicate. They're over-medicated. But here's the thing. Here's why I said it's a scandal. The schools know that government funding is attached to this. If you diagnose these kids as some sort of disorder, there's money to be had. The teaching establishment knows that. So the parents are kind of, you know, they're in a bind because they don't really know what to do. They don't know what questions to ask. And so, well, sure, okay, yeah, well, let's do it because I want something to, you know, help my child here to be able to focus and and study and, and on and on and on. But like I said, it's hurting kids with these unnecessarily uh, unnecessary diagnoses. I came across this story, NPR of all places. It's called, We're Thinking About ADHD All Wrongs as a Top Pediatrician. Okay, so this comes from a pediatrician. He's smarter than me on this stuff, right? He's smarter than both of us. Here's what it says. Diagnosis of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder are up around 30% compared to 20 years ago. These days, if a two-year-old won't sit still for circle time in preschool, she's liable to be referred for evaluation, which can put her on track for early intervention and potentially a lifetime of medication. In an editorial just published in the Journal of American Medical Association Pediatrics, Dimitri Christakis 
argues that we've got this all wrong. He's a professor of pediatric at the University of Washington and the director of the Center for Child Health, Behavior, and Development at Children's Hospital in Seattle. Parents, schools, and doctors, he said, should completely rethink this highly medicalized framework for attention difficulties. ADH does a disservice to children as a diagnosis, Christakis tells NPR's uh, interviewer. Here's why. Researchers are currently debating the nature of ADHD. They have found some genetic markers for it, but the recent rise in diagnosis is too swift to be explained by changes in our genes. Neuroscientists, too, are finding brain wiring patterns characteristic of the disorder. But the current process of diagnosis amounts to giving a questionnaire to parents and doctors. If they identify six of nine specific behaviors, then a child officially has ADHD. If you fall on the side of the line, we label and medicate you, said Christakis. But on the other side of the line, we do nothing. The process is necessarily subjective. But there's an awful lot of infrastructure and, frankly, money behind it, especially in our education system. It's like I said. A clinical diagnosis of chronic or acute attention difficulties gives public school students a legal right to special accommodations under the Individuals with Disability Education Act. But a child who falls just short of that diagnosis is left without any right to extra support. Christakis says that instead we should be thinking more about a spectrum of additional capacity that varies from individual to individual and situation to situation. Think of it as a bell curve. On the far left would be someone like Thomas Edison. Mr. Genius is 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration laboring for weeks or months on a single problem. On the far right is someone with severe ADHD. Additional capacity, Christakis says, is chief among a cluster of non-academic skills that education researchers have recently become very excited about. Executive functioning, self-regulation grit. Basically, these involve the ability to delay gratification, manage your time and attention, and stay on a path toward a goal. Every child, every person struggles with this sometimes. Reading to, singing, and playing with young children and making sure older children get a chance to move around are interventions that can help all students to a lesser or greater extent. Our job is to have every child maximize additional capacity, Christakis explains. Mark Mahone, a pediatric neuropsychologist at the Kennedy Krieger Institute for Children with Special Needs, agrees with Christakis' concept of a spectrum for attention, attentional disorder. The current thinking in the field is that additional capacity and skills do occur on a continuum or spectrum. He also says that in general, pediatrics is evolving toward the idea of proactively supporting attentional functioning in everyone. But Mahone says, It doesn't mean that diagnosis and medication aren't helpful and appropriate in severe cases of ADHD. And he says there is strong and growing evidence of a specific brain abnormality associated with severe ADHD symptoms, which would lend support to the concept of ADHD as a brain disease. So let me make a couple more observations about this, because I'm in some of these schools here in my hometown. You go into the public school system, and the first thing they they point to is, you know, X amount percent of our students are uh, on some sort of medication. They're ADHD. 
Like this article said, it's up 30% in the last 20 years. It's impossible. It's because they're lowering the threshold of the diagnosis. Why are they doing that? Money. Follow the money. It's easier to just put this person, label this person, who they're going to have to carry this for the rest of their lives. Put it on them and, and medicate them. Over-medicate. It's screwing these kids up. I was once in a choice school in Milwaukee. You know what they pointed to? They said we have a certain percentage of kids that have come over from the Milwaukee public schools and they've been labeled as ADHD. He says, you know what? He says, after about a semester, we caught them up grade level wise. And they're performing fine. They're functioning fine. Because in this choice school, and it's a Christian-based school, they don't jump to this. They take their time. And they utilize other remedies and interventions to deal with some of these disorders. Are we medicating these kids all the time? And then when they grow up, they're tired of being on this medication. We wonder why they explode. Why don't we go back and look at this? That's all we have time for today. You can follow me on Twitter at Sheriff Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E, or at the People's Sheriff. God bless you. David Clark. The People's Sheriff. On the Blaze Radio Network.